Rewind it back to the days of chillaxing on the beach and all-day fun with Spring Break on DraftKings Casino. Play exclusive games like Fan Fave Rocket. The excitement is endless, the vibes are right, and the cash prizes could be huge. New players, start playing with just 5 bucks and get 100 back instantly in casino credits. Download the app and use code RTFP to book your one-way ticket to fun with DraftKings Casino. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is. But it's not just any Ross Tucker Football Podcast. It never is. It's a Wisdom Wednesday, and we're getting the wisdom from the guy that is the best in the business, in my opinion, when it comes to writing and reporting on the NFL. Albert Breer from Sports Illustrated will join us momentarily. He more or less broke the Jim Ursay news, at least the first person I saw, to tweet it from the owners' meetings yesterday. Got to ask Albert exactly what's going on here because it is significant major NFL news. We are presented, of course, by DraftKings. We will have new winners on Friday. We'll have a spread the word winner. I'm looking for a few good quote tweeters at Ross Tucker Pod quote tweet. It's that easy. Sponsor confirmation email winners. You know the deal. Take advantage of any of our sponsors. Sling, Masterwork, Simply Safe. There's a bunch of awesome ones. Take advantage of it. And then the YouTube shout out I love. I do a video. For you, I can say whatever I'll say whatever you want. I don't care. Just go to youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL, hit the thumbs up, subscribe for free, comment on any video, and you'll be automatically eligible to get that shout out from your boys. Speaking of shout outs, shout out to today's patron of the day, Larry Hopkins, patreon.com slash RT Media. It's big show time. The big show. All right, so he's become sort of a regular guest here on the show. And I got to be honest with you, it's because he's awesome. It's because he has more information than other people. He's the best writer on pro football in the world at this point, in my opinion. I think I'm like his biggest fan. And Albert, (laughs) we got to just dive right into the bombshell from Jim Ursay yesterday. I'm scrolling through Twitter and I see you tweet that. You were the first person that tweeted out his quote, and my jaw dropped. Very rare for an owner to, I guess, kind of break rank or call out another owner publicly like that. Set the scene. What happened? Why did he do this? Uh, you know, it was interesting because you're right. Like, this is really, really rare that an owner would break ranks and and say something like this. So, um, you know, we're at, we're all at a hotel in lower Manhattan and, um, you know, the owners were, I think a lot of them were upstairs and Ursay walks over 
and he stops. And normally, like when an owner stops, like a bunch of cameras will come in close, and then you know you start firing off questions. And like more or less, like when something like this is going on, you'll get what you'd expect, which is you know there's an ongoing investigation. Can't really speak on that. You know I'm going to let the commissioner speak for us. What like that's normally what you what you what you what you see in this situation sort of situation. And this was so different because you know he. He got asked a couple benign, like weird questions at the beginning that had nothing to do with Snyder, and you're thinking it's going that way, and then all of a sudden, um, the first Snyder question comes, and he says that we have, we have to look at like like removing him as owner, and I look at the person next to me, on my left, my right. It's like, did he just say that? You know, and it was just it took a second to sink in, and then he kept doubling down and doubling down and doubling down. And, um, you know, I pulled him aside a little later in the day and I asked him why he did it. And it was um, it was interesting. It was he talked about how the day before and this is really interesting. I think the day before he'd talked to Paul Tagliabue and Eddie DiBartolo, who himself was once removed as an owner. Right. And how like it meant a lot to him that he was, you know, that that that, that, like it meant a lot to him being part of this this fraternity. Right. And that. His father was a part of it, handed it down to him. And he told me this story about seeing his granddaughter, who's 13 years old, at training camp. And she's going to be fourth generation NFL for the family. And, um, you know, the point was, he said, like, you know, I, like I, I think we're all getting painted with a broad brush right now because this guy has, you know, created this for us. And I don't think it's fair. And I figured, I thought somebody had to say something. And you know what's so interesting about it, Ross? And, you know, you get a lot of this response on Twitter when you tweet this stuff about somebody. Like, it's always going to go back to, oh, well, what about him, right? Like, and so you look at uh, Ursay and his past. And obviously, there was the driving while under the influence. There was the opioid problem um, that he had that he was very open about. And I think that that's an important nuance to him being the one to come out and say something because of what Seth's story said last week, you know, that – there was so much information that that Snyder's digging up on these other owners. And there's like this whole like glass houses dynamic there. Right. And here, you, here you have an owner who has skeletons in his closet, right. Saying, bring it on saying like, okay, like you have, you have skeletons on me. I don't care. This is bigger than that. Bring it on. And I think that that was an important nuance. The whole thing It's just, the whole thing is very, very interesting. And I think now the temperature certainly gets turned up on the whole situation. Well, yeah, it feels like it changes everything. I got to be honest with you, Albert, there's so many investigations. There's so many, like there's the Congress thing. There's Mary Jo White. Can you just refresh my memory? Like what, what, where, where does this even stand? I mean, you know, it's bad when I don't even remember which investigation we're on yeah. and for what aspect of it. Well, the, the so you had the initial um, investigation, which was the Beth Wilkinson investigation. That investigation was completed, um, and if you remember, the findings in that investigation never became public. And, you know, one of the big questions for the commissioner, and I think very fair questions for the commissioner, was why was this report kept private and why wasn't there a written report? Like, they said it was an oral report. It was a written report. Well, you know, my whole question with that was, like, well, you produced, what, like a 200-page report on Richie Incognito and bullying, right? And you produced a 200-page report on Ray Rice, and you produced these reports and you made them public, right? 
you know, so there were written reports on players that became public and it wasn't leaked. It was the NFL was putting those reports out because they wanted to be transparent. And you say in your own bylaws like that you are you say in your own bylaws that the owner should be held to a higher standard than players or coaches or executives. And yet you're not holding the owners to that standard. You're not holding an owner to that standard. And so because they came under fire for the handling of that, a second investigation was launched. The Beth Wilkinson investigation was initially launched by the team and then taken over by the league. A second investigation was then launched by Mary Jo White, by the league with Mary Jo White running that investigation. Meanwhile, you have the investigation with the attorney general. You have the investigation with Congress. Um, there's a lot going on here. Um, you know, and most of it, I think, for people who don't know, center on the the allegations of workplace misconduct and Dan Snyder's involvement in it. So, okay, they, after they finish the investigation, then what? I think, so that was, you know, it's interesting. I talked to a few owners on their way out. And I think that there are some owners that agree with Jim Irsay, but when they were in the room, they really got kind of put under strict orders um, from by Goodell to wait for the investigation before saying anything. And, um, you know, like that was really it for the conversation inside the room, as far as I can understand. Now, I will say this, like my, my, the other thing that I'd heard was like in the breakout rooms, like during the breaks in the meetings, in the hallways, it's all the owners were talking about amongst themselves, right? So they may not have formally met on it yesterday extensively, there was, but there wasn't like, there, it wasn't like they, they were avoiding the subject. They were talking about it with each other. And so on their way out, that was sort of what you kept hearing was, we need to be fair. We need to let the investigation take its course, which is normally the way these guys handle this. Like that's where Ursay broke ranks yesterday is normally you would hear owners saying what 30 of the 31 said yesterday on the way out, which is we need to let the investigation take its course. After the investigation takes its course, I think they're going to have to make a decision and they're going to have to make a decision on whether or not to vote him out. I do not know that this guy is going to have the shame to, 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 to sell the team on his own, no matter how bad the findings are. And I say that because there was an owner who did have that shame and that's Jerry Richardson four years ago in Carolina. And there were a lot of awful things that happened in that Panthers organization. Right. But at the very least at the end, Jerry Richardson had the shame to say, I have brought, I put everybody in a negative light. What's best for the NFL is I'm going to walk away. And Jerry Richardson was a guy who played in the NFL, right? Who like was self-made from a, you know, from, from a financial standpoint, built up the wealth to bring a team to the area he's from in North Carolina and put a team there. And he was the only owner in the league to have the shield, the NFL logo at, at midfield. Um, while he was owning the team. And, um, you know, I think, like, one of the things, like, watching that was at the very end, like, Jerry Richardson at least owned up to it and said, like, this is really bad, and, like, I've done wrong, and I've made everybody look stupid, and everybody's not like this, and I'm going to walk away. I don't think Dan Snyder has that shame. And I think we have 23 23 years of evidence that he doesn't have that shame. And so what does that mean? Well, can they get him to sell without going to a vote? And I don't know that they can. I had somebody tell me yesterday that it may take Jerry going to him and saying, it's over. 
I'll get you your $7 billion. You can't be here anymore. Like it would take somebody like Jerry Jones doing that. And maybe even that doesn't work. I don't think they want to set the precedent of voting on one of their own out, but it may wind up coming to that. We'll see. Speaking of Jerry Jones, I, I saw a report from Seth Wickersham mm-hmm. that he told Robert Kraft not to F with him <laughs> as he tries to block a new contract for Roger Goodell. Do you know anything about this? Yeah, Seth is uh, Seth's pretty plugged in when it comes to that stuff. Seth did a nice job on that story. Um, there's obviously been like a little bit. They they the, the, Jerry and Kraft have been very very close for a long time, and um, you know there had been some infighting over Rogers' contract in the past. And I, I do know like one of Jerry's main things was he wanted to make sure there were protections for the league in the contract where um, Roger would have to earn his money, you know, and Roger would have to um, hit certain markers and like, really, if they're going to pay him the way they paid him. And I think like at last check, it was like something around 60 or $70 million a year. He was going to have to like, he was going to have to, 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 to hit certain markers, um, you know, certain goals to, 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 to maintain that level of salary. Um, And I know like, for Robert, it's like he looks at it and he says, well, look at the television deals. Look at the way he got us through COVID. Look at the CBA. Um, and look at where the league is going forward now with, you know, everything we have going for him and, and where football is. Like, this guy deserves this. And so I think that was that that was the that was at the heart of the argument. And honestly, like like Seth said in the story, like that's been sort of an ongoing thing for a little while now, like where that was at the heart of the argument that, that, that those two had a few years ago. So again, those guys have been really close in the past, but um, you know, this, this whole thing with Roger and Roger and, 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 and Jerry were at odds over the Ezekiel Elliott thing five, six years ago. And that was sort of the start of some of the acrimony there. I think that that's sort of put us where we are. And Jerry's been big. I mean, I will say this, Jerry's been big on questioning the commissioner, on a lot of different things when it comes to investigating players and his handling of certain controversies. And so, um, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me that there would be that kind of friction between those two on that particular topic. Speaking of the Patriots a little bit, you and I touched on this on Monday when I was filling in for Dan Patrick. (laughs) (laughs) What's that? I got a lot more attention than I thought it would. That was funny. Yeah. Well, listen, I, I, I mean, I you're the only person that I had seen report anywhere that that uh, there were some issues between Mac Jones yeah. and the Patriots. And I, I don't you know, I don't know how many of my listeners of the Raw Sucker podcast have heard about this. I don't know how many of them watch Dan Patrick's show. So I wanted to, you know, just get a little clarity from you here, especially as there's I don't know, this might be a week where they start to debate who's the quarterback yeah. for this week. So like I. I, I think Max could get his job back. That's the first thing. Um, and I think it'd probably be this week. And I think there is a, there's a, I think a lot of people want to equate like Mac with Tom Brady. And I don't think that their personalities are the same. Um, Mac, I think is very much, and everything I've heard, I don't know him very well personally, but I, everything I've heard about from pe- people who've been around him at Alabama and with the Patriots, He's very much a why guy, you know, and that makes him of his generation. And I think with a lot of the change that happened in the offseason, Mac was questioning a lot of things. 
Why aren't we building off of what we did last year? Why are we changing the offense? Why are we simplifying? Why are we not doing things the way that we did it when I had so much success in 2021? Why isn't Kendrick Bourne in there more? Why are you hiring a defensive coach and a special teams coach to handle me going from year one to year two? And as we discussed on Monday, Ross, and you played for him, Bill Belichick isn't a big why guy, right? He's not big. No, he doesn't want, he doesn't, (laughs) he, he doesn't want to tell you the why, because if you tell other people the why, he feels like there's a competitive advantage there. So I don't think like, so, I mean, bottom line, you know, I, I, I think that the, the injury and there was some disagreement over the handling of the injury too. And that, that thing got sideways for a while also, like where, I mean, Max saw two of his teammates from Alabama, Tua Tungavaloa and Jalen Hurts, go through the tightrope surgery to varying results. And I know Mac didn't want to have the tightrope surgery. And at one point, it looked like the tightrope surgery would have gotten him back faster. And so the Patriots encouraged him doing it. So that was a little, like, there was friction there too. And, you know, I think what the what the injury to Bailey Zappi has given the Patriots an opportunity to do, Bill Belichick an opportunity to, to, to do, and I think even Matt Patricia and Joe Judge, who've done a really nice job with Bailey Zappi, clearly, right? And it's it's fair to question that hire those hires because those are very unconventional hires for the positions, right? That they're that they're filling. I think it's given like the bill the opportunity to make Mac a little uncomfortable and say, "Look over here, like first of all, you're not on scholarship here, right? Like we've got and and we don't care where you were drafted. And second, like look what happens when the player follows the coaching." And the player listens to the coaching. And the player does exactly what we're telling him to do. We have a fourth-round rookie from Western Kentucky who's getting results and who's giving us results right now. And so ultimately, I think Mack will get his job back. And I think they still believe in Mack. But I do think that there was some friction. And I think this is probably an opportunity for them to, I guess, more or less give Mack a real-life example of why they're doing what they're doing without actually telling him like, Hey, this is why we were doing this with you. Lastly, Albert uh, roughing the passer. Yeah. I know Troy Vincent talked. It seemed like the owners didn't talk about it all that much. Troy Vincent and uh, as well as Rich McKay seemed like they made it pretty clear that they're, they're not making any changes. Ross, the bottom line is the bottom line for NFL owners. Right. And so, like, let me ask you this. Do you think and do you think there's one person who's turning off football because of the roughing the passer penalties? Nope. What are people tuning in for? Quarterbacks. quarterbacks. <laughs> okay, so the bottom line is the bottom line. Like, I don't like the roughing the passer penalties. You don't like the roughing the passer penalties. You know where you and I are going to be on Thursday night when two, two, and four teams are playing? Right in front of the TV. <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, I've been saying that. I said that as soon as these penalties happen, <laughs> that they weren't going to change and that yeah. this is the way the owners look at it. And I I understand it. I mean, I think there's sort of a happy medium somewhere in there um, yeah, that they so can strive for. So here's what I think. Here's, here's my biggest problem with this, right? Um, I understand why they're doing this. And I think it's good to protect the quarterbacks because those guys are – I mean, it's the league's most precious commodity. You know, it's it's the equivalent of, like, Michael Jordan playing by different rules in the NBA in the 90s, right? Like, that's what this is. It's the same thing, just 
in a different form. Um, you know, I, 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 I wish they would use the technology more effectively. That's what really pisses me off about the way the rules are now is I think it's gets so tangled up in, you know, the referees association and the NFL office and, you know, like the coaches, like there's just so many different hands in the pot. When I think the, uh, the solution to this stuff is simple. I've always said this, like, why is it that like you or I sitting on the couch have more angles and a better view and more resources to understand whether a guy committed a foul or not than the head referee has. We do because we're sitting like what we get at home is better than what the head referee has. So why isn't the, why, why aren't they constantly helping those guys? Like, why aren't they from the booth from New York constantly giving those guys a hand? You know what I mean? Because you know, as well as I, do. I mean, I've been on the field, you've played I, like it's impossible. It's, it, it seems to me like it'd be so hard just to make heads, heads or tails of anything down there, how fast everything moves. And now we have the technology to do it where you can get down. You, you can talk to those guys on the field. Right. And you can get like, you can get information down to them from the booth from New York. And I'm not saying do it on every play, but how hard would it be to have someone buzz down and say, pick that flag up? You know what I mean? And then give them a quick explanation in their ear. And like, I think people would say, well, you know, like, like, like it's important that the person, that the head referee has control of the game and he's going to get booed out of the stadium. Well, like then he should be booed out of the stadium if he's getting stuff wrong. You know what I mean? Like, <clears throat> why aren't we, why aren't we giving the head referee a, more resources and creating more accountability? Like, why aren't we doing that? And so much of it falls back on, well, this is the way it was done in the 80s. Well, the reason they didn't use the technology in the 80s is because they didn't have it, right? We have it now. So that's my biggest problem with it is I think this stuff gets so tangled up in this person's interest or that person's interest. You know, I can think back to conversations I had with Andy Reid and Bill O'Brien and, um, and John Harbaugh when we were all talking about the Sky Judge going in a few years ago. And – like they were all for it, you know, and they were, and, and I mean, they were making all of these points to me, you know, and it's just, you have the resources to get every single call right, or as many of them as possible, right. And we can just take a common sense approach to it. doesn't mean like every single holding call, you're going to be buzzing down to the ref, right? That's not what I'm talking about. But when there's something, when there's something like so obvious, why can't we give the officials that resource? Um, if you have a minute, I can give you one story on that that I think is interesting. Go for it. Okay. So do you remember the hit Mason Rudolph took from uh, Earl Thomas? What, this uh, three years ago, four years ago, right? Do you remember that? Yeah, I think so. It was a high hit, right? Like, so um, I like I was talking to, you know, one of the Ravens coaches about this. And um, so if you watch the broadcast, they went to commercial and there was no flag on the field. And then two minutes later, they came back from commercial and there was a, a personal foul flag on the field, right? And like during that commercial break, this never made it on TV. One of the Ravens coaches saw the flag was on the ground. And so Harbaugh went over to the referee and said to the referee, like, what, what, what happened? Like, why is there a flag out there now all of a sudden? The play's been dead for two minutes, right? And the ref goes, well, the booth called down. 
And Harbaugh looks at him and goes, oh, you mean like a sky judge? And so, like, there have been examples of, like, some referee crews actually using this before, and they do it quietly. I don't know why we can't, like, like maybe, like, formalize that, you know what I mean, and use the technology that we have, whether it's from New York or from the booth, to try and get at least the big ones right. Again, and I'm not talking about every single call, but I think it's, like, one of those things – I guess it's like pornography, right? Like, you know what it is. You know it when you see it, right? You know what I mean? Like, it's like, like you'll know the call, but you'll know the call, like, that, that needs to be changed when you see it. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. Excellent if stuff, as always, Albert. Really appreciate it. Highly encourage you to check him out at Albert Breer on social media. That way you get all of his content, including the unbelievable MMQB every week. Thanks, man. All right. Thanks, Ross. Albert and I were talking about the protection of the quarterbacks. It's not going to change. Speaking of protection, let's talk about saving big money right now with Simply Safe Home Security. They're offering Ross Tucker Football Podcast listeners, that's you, 40% off their advanced security system. Simply Safe was just named the best home security of 2022. By U.S. News, which also has Princeton number one. So they know what they're talking about. They love it. I love it. You'll love it. At Simply Safe, your safety, the only thing that matters. You guys know I love the video cameras. think that's a really, really important part that everybody should have. The HD security cameras on the outside of your house. You can even get them inside. Do not miss this chance to save big when you protect your home with the best. Get 40% off your order when you visit simplysafe.com slash Tucker today. Customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes. That's simplysafe.com slash Tucker. Go today. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ducks Takes. All right, well, let's start with the uh, obvious big news. Uh, you and uh, Albert talked about it. Jim Irsay says there is merit to try and get rid of Dan Snyder as uh, an NFL owner. Well, this is huge, Bri, and this Tux Take is presented by Labatt Blue Light, the pristine Canadian Pilsner. Share a Labatt with friends this football season. Here's what you need to know. This is unbelievably rare. And... On some level, it feels to me like the beginning of the end for Snyder. As Albert talked about earlier, it's not going to be easy. Snyder will not go quietly. But once you have an owner publicly call him out, publicly say, we need to do this, this is the right thing to do, you know there's a lot of owners that privately feel that way. All they need is 24. If Ursay is willing to say this like this publicly, I got to think they probably have 24. And maybe it doesn't come down to that. And maybe Jerry Jones can say, listen, it's 
it's over. You know, you can't be a part of it anymore. We'll get you $6 billion, $7 billion, whatever it is. But it's time to move on. It's very difficult because Snyder grew up a big-time fan of Washington football. This was his dream. He's got plenty of money. I think he wants to fight this until the very end. And it could get ugly and ugly and uglier. But Jim Irsay, that was a strong, strong comment that I feel like kind of changes everything. Ducks takes. Uh, tight end Travis Kelsey restructures his contract in Kansas City. The Rams get some uh, much needed help on their offensive line. Falcons place Casey Hayward on IR. Chargers kicker Dustin Hopkins now out two to four weeks. You never know why the Chiefs need to free up some cap space. People are saying, oh, they're, they're going to go try to get Odell Beckham Jr. I'm not so sure about that. I, I think that, you know, they just wanted to have a little breathing room for guys that get injured on IR, guys you got to pick up during the year. Ty and Secchi, I've always thought, I said this before when he got signed somewhere else, did you? I've always thought he was a really good pass protector, especially, and a solid swing tackle. I was shocked he wasn't on a team already. Casey Hayward's a good player. That's a loss for the Falcons. And then the, the big reason why I wanted to mention Chargers kicker Dustin Hopkins out two to four weeks, they have Taylor Bertolette from my hometown of Reading, Pennsylvania, on practice squad. Uh, a week or two ago, he made his NFL debut, maybe against the Browns. Hopkins came back this week, got hurt again. So Taylor Bertolette's going to get a credited season out of this. He's going to play at least three games. And if he continues to play well, who knows? Maybe it could lead to him having a chance to get a kicking job somewhere else, which would just be amazing. He's been battling this for seven years, I think. He's 29, and he's finally getting a chance to play in NFL games and do well in NFL regular season games. I'm amazed, thrilled, impressed by his perseverance. Duck Stakes. Los Angeles Rams owner Stan Kroenke uh, to pay St. Louis, the city of St. Louis, $571 million. Didn't get to get into this with Albert. I don't know how much you guys care. The NFL lost a lawsuit to the city of St. Louis for the way in which they left. St. Louis didn't deserve to lose a team. And L.A. left, and, and the Rams left anyway because Kroenke wanted to be in L.A. for literally millions of reasons. So now they got to pay reparations. I think it's really like $720 million or 740 The rest of the owners are paying part of it, but Kroenke has to pay the majority. Takes. Amazon is going to get another game next year. In addition to its Thursday night package, they get a real prime slot. See what I did there? On Black Friday. Nice, Bri. I like that. Yes, um... This is amazing because if you're Amazon, you don't want people shopping on Black Friday. You want them to be ordering their gifts for people over the holidays from home. And so now a major day of shopping in all the brick and mortar stores, a lot of people are going to be less likely, at least this is the thought process, to go shop that day because there's an NFL game and people feel compelled to watch standalone NFL games. It's it's like remarkable. It really is. Like rather than just watching something else, 
people will watch the NFL game and complain about it. It's it's unbelievable. Ducks takes. You and Albert also talked about the NFL not making any changes to the roughing the passer penalty. Yeah, I mean, we kind of hit that pretty hard, I think. I think it's pretty obvious why that's the case. I think most people know that they're not going to be doing that. Um, I've explained this. We've done videos on it. Moving on. Ducks takes. All right, one last note. The Baltimore Ravens signed Deshaun Jackson to the practice squad. Well, he'll eventually get ramped up to be on the active roster. This is interesting. The Ravens feeling like they need a deep threat. By the way, you can still go to Sunday's Browns-Ravens game. I'm looking at my game time app right now. 59 bucks. Browns-Ravens. Ravens against the city where they used to be. Browns desperate for a win to try to stay in the playoff race. That is awesome. $59. Game time app is so money. It's the fastest growing ticketing app. Guarantees the lowest price on tickets to all your favorite sports, concerts, and shows. That's the key. They literally guarantee the lowest price. You can even see the view from your seat before you pay. Download the game time app. Create an account. Redeem code Ross for $20 off your first purchase. Again, that's Ross for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Download Game Time. Last-minute tickets. Lowest price guaranteed. Big fan of this app. I like checking New York, Philly, Baltimore. As for Deshaun Jackson, you know what's amazing? Certain guys at certain positions lose a step. It feels like, for whatever reason... Like, kick returners and receivers don't. Deshaun Jackson can still run, man. I mean, he can still really, really run. And so it makes sense, especially with Bateman having this injury, it makes sense to me to have one guy that if you're going to put that safety in the box to try to stop the run, account for Lamar Jackson in the running game, that means you only have one safety deep in the middle of the field. Deshaun Jackson is going to be on the outside. Good luck to that corner. Because either he's going to back way off or he might get dusted. By the way, we also have some shout-outs to give, which I love to do. Pizza Boy Brewing, Sportaculture, HumanHeadNYC.com, SteakhouseSports.com, Go-Bangles.com, Evergreen Economics, Vision Comics with an X, BackOfficeScheduler.com, and of course, forget Amazon, forget Black Friday, just go to myfrontpagestory.com. That is the gift that keeps on giving and the gift that your loved one will really want. Myfrontpagestory.com. We got Fantasy Feast Part 1 today. A wild Even Money podcast yesterday. Check them out. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Fantasy Feasts, Even Money, Business of Sports, and College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.